This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. Money, money, money. We hear a lot about it. We hear these words often. We kind of needed to survive. I think we kind of needed to survive. We kind of needed to do our grocery shopping. We needed to pay our bills and we needed, you know, when we get older, we need to be thinking about what are we going to do with our money? And we have all these plans and we needed to take those wonderful trips and do great things with our families. But you know what? There's also another part of finances that we don't often consider. Those who have perhaps historically been left out of the conversation regarding finances. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the empowered woman and finance. Finances here on Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. So welcome to Cape Pulpit, 79 AM. And for the next hour, I'm going to be joined by Janine Horn, who is such a powerful voice on this topic. And she's the owner of Innovative Flair. She's a financial advisor, business development strategist, consultant, mentor, facilitator, and a coach. And she has so much expertise in this particular area. Now, you know what? When we talk about women and finances, I want to say to you that historically, when we look at where women have been and where they've come from and how women have been included and excluded from the conversation about finances, we need to consider that, no, this is not, you know, an agenda-based thing, but it is just a historical thing. When we look at the stats on women and, you know, how women handle finances and if they have access to finances, we will find that women have generally been excluded from the conversation. And this is for many reasons. When we think of when our grandmothers were born, we didn't even have laws that exist existed in South Africa that allowed our grandmothers to have control and ownership over what was theirs. They did not have control or ownership over their children, over their inheritance money or any money that they made. Everything belonged to the man that they married. And if they weren't married, it would belong to the father. And that was because no laws existed in place at that time to help women. And this often leads women to stay in abusive marriages and also to put up with things that, you know, we should not have to put up with. With this change, however, we have seen, of course, we have these wonderful laws that women actually worked tirelessly to help us have. And while we have these laws and we have these things, we still see that women do not have access to finances as much as they should. Oftentimes, and we're going to get into it today, we see that, you know, the breadwinner, who is the husband, doesn't want to allow their wife even to know how much money is being made or to have any access to their finances. And then women are left feeling very vulnerable. And if anything happens to the breadwinner, that woman is left very, very destitute in often many, many sad, sad ways and stands to lose a lot of things. I don't know about you, but I've known women in that situation whose husbands have passed away suddenly and who have been left with so much debt, who have often been kicked out of their homes, who don't know how to do anything because they've not been empowered financially and didn't know the financial situation. So today we are going to get into these areas and we are going to talk about some of these hairy topics and Janine is the perfect voice in this particular area. So don't go anywhere because you know we want to empower you on the show today as a woman to know that financially there is hope, we don't have to deal with our finances in fear and we can be empowered in this area so i'm looking forward to having you with me here on voice of change today
Janine, I am so excited to have you on the show today and specifically super excited because of this incredible topic that we're going to be talking about, you know, woman financial empowerment. Historically, where women been standing with regards to money, wealth, finances. But before we get into this and before our listeners are going to be super blown away by our conversation, welcome to Voice of Change today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me and hi to the listeners and hi um, and hi to you, Lauren. Thank you, Janine. You know, it is so important that we talk about women and finances because obviously we know that it's been COVID and it's 2021. But regardless of that, we know that historically women have actually been left out of the conversation when it comes to finances and specifically when it comes to their own finances and their financial future. I was reflecting actually just over the last two weeks, reading some history about, you know, women's finances and Considering that it was only in 1953 that this law got passed where women could actually have ownership, not only of their finances, their inheritance, if they had any, but even of their own children, which is not that long ago. So it seems like we are dealing with the fact that women have historically been left out of the conversation and, you know, where where do we go with this? Because it seems that women are, you know, getting involved, but still have been left out of this fear. How are we supposed to make financial decisions when we are dealing with almost financial reality where we've been left out of the conversation, our experiences have, our decisions have? Have you found this as a financial planner? Have you found that women struggle with this because this is almost a new area that we are in? Totally. And so it's such a broad topic and it leaves us with a half an hour's way too little to unpack all of this. Yeah. But, but if I can start with some of the recent statistics that um, that we published and that I, I commented on as well, there's something called a financially knowledgeable person. It's an index and it speaks about your um, ability to understand financial wellness and how you how you approach your money right mm-hmm. and so the momentum unisa household financial wellness, wellness index revealed that women still face challenges and it leaves them with an uphill battle when it comes to all things money mm-hmm. and so if we look around we go well 1953 as you said is only recent in in 2021 we're still living with the baggage of pre-1953 and we are left saying to ourselves as women, what do I need to take ownership and how do I understand what my money voice is? Okay. Hmm. So let's just look at some of the stats because it speaks to exactly what you've said. Women earn 36.8% of salaries and pool 31% of investment income. Hmm. Women scored much lower on the net wealth and held a lower financial and non-financial assets than male financially knowledgeable persons, FKPs. While 40% of male households stated that the emergency savings were on about, um, you know, that 40% of males had emergency savings and only 30% of us women. 59% of males are contributing to retirement planning and pension planning, while only 27% of the female population is, is, is contributing. And then, of course, things like wills, etc. So there's a general ostrich in the head, uh, ostrich in the sand um, syndrome that I feel as women kind of 
have sat back purposefully mm. and have said, okay, cool, you know, my husband has made the decisions or I'm a single mom and so, you know, my kids need more my, more attention and I, I always have all these things to do for them, um, you know, that uh, I've never really worked and, and my husband takes care of me. And then when the husband passes, the, <laughs> the mm. surviving spouse goes, where do I start? Because I actually didn't know all of this stuff. So it starts with the knowledge about what do I need to know and knowing that I don't know certain things means I have to go and get the knowledge to to know those things. For example, my first thing is know your numbers. So I, in my household, I pay the bond and my car installments and I look after my daughter's education. My husband pays the medical aid and my son's education. So guess what happens if either of us pass away, the other will miss the contribution to those nine items in the budget, Mm. right? So when I speak about knowing your numbers, I'm saying understand that the household is going to be impacted when you die because the bond has to still be settled and the the child that has the education that you're responsible for and you're doing the shopping and the groceries, Mm. understand that. Secondly, understand the impact of when your spouse or your partner or the breadwinner dies, okay? Mm. Because the biggest aspect in South Africa is that there's such a large amount of estates that aren't liquid enough to take care of the families. Mm. Notwithstanding the fact that there are many many of us that don't have an up-to-date signed will. In fact, only 13% of females have a will, right? So the, the aspect of knowing your spouse's or the breadwinner's money is then the second step. The third thing is, and I say it all the time, and it sounds deeply spiritual, but I believe that money energy is carried with you. So if you have the oppression that sits in your lineage, in your tribe, in your family, and you come from that poverty, it's often easier to perpetuate the oppression and struggle. Or... Once you get into money, as people would say, hmm. it's often easy to splurge because now you go through the the wants that becomes needs, that becomes luxury items that are still wants and needs. So the, 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 hmm. the comment around what is wants and needs and how can I discern between them is, is actually led from a deeper place. It comes from a place of um, grew up. What was the oppression like? How my mother was treated around money? Mm. Whether there was a single household and a father that never contributed? Um, whether he has gone to the shop and came back five months later? Um, whether mom had to, whether I had to pass on, whether I got second hand clothing from all the cousins in the family? Um, whether I had to walk to school with my mom's um, old work shoes because there wasn't money for me for shoes? It mm. comes from that place of oppression. And so economically, there's a large um, trend to say, how can we undo that oppression to change the trajectory of our financial journeys? Because we now have to take responsible for our journeys, right? We have this discussion. We're hearing this, this talk on radio. And you, and, and you say to yourself, I need to look at myself in the mirror and ask those few questions. Hmm. The other question is, if I do find that I'm either splurging because I come from oppression or I've repeated the oppression in the poverty cycle, where's the honest conversation, Lauren? Hmm. Where's the honest conversation of looking yourself in the mirror and going, the the ball's in my court now. The ball's in my court. Um, We see that our male counterparts are leading the way when we we have the same 
buying power. Mm. So, so this generation has buying power that three or four generations didn't have. And by the way, did you know that it take nine generations for that economic oppression to undo itself? Wow. Think about the number of people that are in that nine generations. And if you affect one woman in a family, financially, you affect and improve the whole family. Mm. And that's the aspiration that, yeah, the aspiration is to say, woman, understand where you're at. Let's do this together. Let's uplift ourselves together. And let's participate in a market now that before. And let's participate in understanding our money journey. And let's undo the wounding of economic and systemic oppression because it's very real. Mm. Um, and so it, it's that conversation about wants and needs and hurts and pains. And we don't want to talk about money, yeah. do we? Yeah. Money is a difficult subject to talk about, but it's a critical conversation. Mm. Um, I call it conversations, critical conversations that move you from chaos to completeness. That says it felt a bit chaotic growing up, being poor as a child, and now I'm in edu- education. That trajectory has already changed, but can I use and do better with my money so that I become astute financially and I'm more, I'm, I'm a more complete person. I'm a more whole financially, a financially complete person. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a whole bunch there and we can unpack that further if you need to. Oh. Um, but, but immediately you would go, you would think of your parents, you think of your, your mom's mom, you think of your grannies. Um, and think about that and how they, how they worked money. We knew and they knew how to work with money. They could do a lot with a little. Mm. Um, but where does, where does that leave you going from doing a lot with a little? Is that you always become, um, you, you are used to a little. Mm. And so the norm is a little. The norm is living from week to week, from hand to mouth, from yeah. sometimes having more months than money. And so that norm itself is actually one that should be tossed out the door. Yeah. And the, and the norm going forward from today's conversation to everybody listening is going, I, I deserve more than a little. Yeah. I deserve more than doing a little, a lot with a little. And so how do I get to do more with my little? And how do I make my little a lot? It's understanding money. It's the literacy around money. It's the basic foundation of budgeting, planning, looking yourself in the mirror and going, this is the wants, this is the needs. Let's have an honest conversation. I have a a tip and I go, think about it three times. And if you set yourself and you think think about it three times, it simply means that it's not a need. Wow, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) It it may be something that, you know, you can, it's it's a voice that may come up the next time you, I really want that and and I really need that and, and no, I don't really want it. No, I don't really need it. Yes. And so that's worked quite well when I do financial um, coaching. Mm. We, we, yeah, go for it. Is that, is that the key here? Should, you know, because sometimes women, they go, okay, you know, there's a little bit of fear. And in general, when I've spoken to women about money, 
you know, there's a little bit of a fear aspect in terms of, you know, not having the literacy that we should have or that we would want to have and aspire to have. But sometimes there's a bit of fear, not knowing where do I start with this? You know, who do I who do I approach to help me? Yes, you know, there's only so many books I can buy and so many blog posts I can read, you know, on the internet without going to someone physical. But then how do we, you know, start breaking this trend, start breaking this off to be literate in our finances and taking control of this do we find a coach that can help in this area is it you know going to see a financial planner is it taking an active step and saying i'm going to do something i'm going to learn and i'm actually going to break that fear off of me because i you know sometimes when you don't have a knowledge of something it seems quite big and quite scary but then when you actually start learning about it it's not yeah, you know, it's not, so what's the first Absolutely thing? Agree. What's the first? So the step? first thing is actually to be open to change. It's mm. actually saying to myself, I'm now taking this journey, and from today the chapter changes. I write my own chapter, mm. and I decide what is it that I need to to have the blurb. What is the blurb for this book? What is the blurb for this journey? So starting today, literacy is about taking one a step of learning all things money, two, what is your relationship with money and having the conversation about um, what is expected of me, how do I understand money, where do I come from, what role models or what modeling did I have growing up around money um, and hear things like, oh, you know, I came home on a Thursday and my dad was happy um, and everybody came to our house and there was lots of drinks and fun. But on a Sunday, it was miserable because there was only bread and butter left for the two days of the week. You know, so, so it sticks in our psyche. And, and then going to a coach or an advisor and plotting and planning together. There's a perception that advisors are here to sell me a product. But mm. that's the solution to the need. So if you and I have a conversation and I say, Lauren, as, as, a, as a single woman, age 35, who lives on 35,000 rand a month income. Mm. And if something happens to in terms of disability or illness, who is going to look after you, Lauren? Mm. How are you going to cover your expenses, Lauren? What do you have that your employer provides? Do you know how many times I ask people, so what do you have? He goes, oh, I've got something at work. Um, or she says, well, I don't really know what it is, but I think it is X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Um, or retirement, geez, I'm 35, that's so long away. Yeah. So, so it's also nuggets of inspiration and nuggets of education and taking those and going, I get what you're saying, Janine. I need to start early. I need to have a plan. Hmm. Financial planning is not about having money. Hmm. There's a perception, a second perception, which I want to toss out the door today to everybody listening. It's not about money. It's about saying where is the plan for my financial map? What and how will I be affected if this, that, and that happens? And if this, that, and that doesn't happen and I reach retirement age, what do I have to spend and save now in order to live a similar life? Mm-hmm. And then estate planning. And all right. So that's the role of your financial planner or coach. It's a unique dynamic plan that is between you and I and we jot it and we map it and as things change you strike a tick next to each of those yeah. right so that's the foundational stuff 
Let me talk about critical conversations. So 90% of women out there go, we don't talk about money. We just do. Hmm. The 10% that do say, well, I've, I've actually started speaking about money to my kids because my parents didn't speak to me about money. Hmm. Or a small min- minority says, I could see my granny was saving in stamps and in hampers and in the stock file. And we, through that, we got a Christmas outfit and we ate a lovely meal during Christmas and I could get the one new pair of shoes. And so I understand that saving for a goal is then rewarding. Mm. Okay. And furthermore, saving for a goal should be in the budget. It should be a part of the budget line items, just like bread, milk, electricity, and petrol is. Yeah. It is not lost on the bu- on the budget line item. And, and it may be people going to be doing, what are you talking about? I don't even have money to save at the end of the month. Mm. And, and yes, the, the next aspect is sure. So if you find yourself in a position where you are financially strained, due to debt, over indebted, or you actually don't know what your money is, what's happening with your money, yeah. write them down. Write them down and say, you know, this is what comes in. This is what needs to go out. How can I chip away at certain things? How can I protect myself if I find myself over indebted? Do I know the credit act? Do I know my financial measurement? And so, yes, I'm speaking all these fancy words, but it simply means that you need to go on a journey around and tackle all those things. So financial measurement, ladies and gentlemen, is a measurement where I look at everything and everybody I owe and I plot how I will pay that back over every month to come until each line item is paid off completely. So it's sitting in front of you, staring in front of you, and you go, this is my measurement, and this is my goal, and there I can reach it and attain it, and by that date of the year, it's resolved. Mm. Let's talk about emergency savings. In COVID, we all found ourselves either battling financially, which I, I'm sure that there are lot, yeah. uh, lots of listeners out there that, that are, still, are still battling, and I have deep respect for that. But there could also be an aspect where we all go, geez, if we knew it was coming, we would have spent less on shoes and, and whatever. Yeah. Or I would have been able to put away 200 rand a month. I remember my mom told me the story. She was earning, <clears throat> as a nurse, excuse me, I don't remember what she was earning. But but in those times, in apartheid times, hmm. um, as a nurse, she did not qualify for maternity leave. So what would happen is they would actually suspend your service, you go on unpaid leave, and then you restart your service again. So there's, there's actually broken service in your in your history. Yeah. And she said she had to save 45 rand per month to ensure that she could have me, to make sure mm. that there were food on the table for the three or four months while she was on suspended maternity leave. And that leads me to the story of if there's a will, if there's a, if there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. All right? If, a, if there's a will, there's a way. So there we is. can start Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Janine, I love this conversation that we are having today because this is part of us actually breaking off a bit of financial illiteracy. We are sharing such deep truths and we're going to take such 
a very, very quick, we want to do this really quick music break. We want you to enjoy some music on Voice of Change today. But we don't want you to go anywhere because Janine is still going to be with me after this. And we're going to get into some true or false realities, you know, unpacking a little bit more about things that we actually believe so we can demystify this reality. Don't go anywhere and we'll see you after this. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs on Voice of Change today. And I am joined by Janine Horn and we are talking about women and we're talking about you know financial empowerment financial planning we've been talking about you know historically where women have been in this whole reality and what we need to do to equip ourselves and to get financially literate and you know to increase this knowledge that we want to have and Janine this has been such a great conversation now I want to ask you a few things because you touched on this before we went to the, the music break that there are things we actually believe about finances that actually are not true and one of the things you know that I hear quite a lot and I'm going to ask you a true or false reality here is Mm. that people think and specifically women think you know I actually need a lot of money or I need to be making a lot of money every month in order to invest money this is something that people think you know I can't invest because I don't have a lot of money and you know people financial planners aren't going to see people like me that can maybe only save 500 rand a month is this true or is this false it's true from a perception and it's false in practice. Um, I had a conversation with my 21-year-old daughter when she qualified as an architect technologist and she had her first job and I said to her, okay, let's talk about um, finances. Let's talk about what is the expectation and let's talk about what um, I'd like to share in terms of an ideal, and then let's talk about what you want. Hmm. And the first thing I said to you is, I'd like to gift you your your full income. So your responsibility is some electricity and petrol when dad or granddad drives you around, but the rest is all yours. Hmm. So again, the cycle I've broken in that moment was board money, pay your way, you have to pay rent now that you're working. Um, you know, give me your money and I will handle it. These are all the things that the youth tell me when we do financial literacy uh, workshops. Um, they don't know how to speak to their parents about, about money because the expectation is that they will put their cousin's son and their auntie's granddaughter, et cetera, et cetera, through university. You're the first grandchild now that have been educated and there's an expectation. So the cultural pressure the black tax pressure that we hear in the market at the moment, the the unlearning of what was passed down to you and going, I'm gifting you financial freedom and financial literacy so that your way changes forever. She's a creative. We had a four-hour conversation on the Sunday evening around what are you now going to do? Because you need to save 80% of your money, my dear child. Hmm. Oh, okay, what does that look like? It started with a 500 Rand investment plan, and then it was a 500 Rand retirement plan, and then it was a 1,000 Rand flexible savings plan, and then it was 5,000 Rand short-term girls plan. And then two years later, the same daughter withdraws 16,000 Rand and pays for her second, her second education. Wow. 
That moment was about unlearning and demystifying a reality that is expected to continue and expected to be passed along. And I'm not saying that every mom out there must go, oh, you don't have to pay your, your way, my dear child. Yeah. I am saying that it's that conversation Chelsea will remember for the rest of her life. The moment that she was able to withdraw her gains from a year of saving 90% of the salary, that moment will forever make a difference to everybody that comes after her. Mm. And so demystifying things starts with you making a decision about what is it that needs to be demystified? What is it that needs to be changed? What is it that I don't want to add pressure to my child about? What is it that I've learned and that I didn't enjoy about money? How can we speak about it so that she understands, right? Mm. Um, And so it almost takes a bit of undoing the learnings, undoing the wiring, like an an electrician Mm. is is short, (laughs) and then redoing the wiring. And sometimes we get the wiring still mixed up, but just the redoing and unlearning makes such a massive difference. Mm. And then there's, there's another aspect I want to, to add, and this may be a little bit controversial. <clears throat> so brace yourself, Lauren. I'm braced. I also believe that one should have financial speed dating. Uh-huh. I, I believe that as a couple that is intending to have a life together, that there should be a, a, a speed dating session where you go, so, Lauren, what do you think about money? And you may, and Lauren may go, well, oh, it's a, it's a means for me to look fabulous and it's a means for me to, to have fun and it's a means for me to live in a posh suburb and, oh, I'd like to have three years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you may go, well, Janine, you tell me. And I may go, well, I'm a saver. I don't mind having broken clothes. My goal is to save 50%. I want to pay my house cash. I want to go on holidays. Oh, I want to retire. <laughs> can you see? Can you see what then happens? In- yes. <laughs> I'm not interested anymore. <laughs> in you. Exactly. I've, I've lost you because you've said, oh, this is not going to work out. Broken clothes, um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and another couple I sat with, they were, they were handling their money separately. And she discovered that he had spent all his pension money on gambling, right? But because there's no conversation about how you're doing with your budget, you know, are you still paying the son's school fees because I'm still paying the daughter's fees? Money often is a separate item in a marriage, especially if there's one breadwinner. You happen to get a stipend. I call it a stipend. And and 90% of the time in South Africa, it's a male a single male earning household and the wife is then the home executive looking after the kids, family, yeah. friends, house, etc. That is work that is unpaid for. Yeah. And so when she does go, um, look, the daughter was sick this month and the son needed a new pair of cricket uh, clubs. Um, so I've run out of cash for the last week of the month, you know. Yeah. Um, that's an, why does it have to be an awkward conversation? Mm. And here's another aspect I'd like to add. PayProp, South Africa's largest process of residential letting transaction, released data showing that South Africans spend, showing how much South Africans spend on rent and debt repayments, right? Yeah. It turned out 
that men spend 47% income on debt, while women spend 44%. So we're spending around the same, right? Yeah. So it puts you on an equal footing in terms of spend, but the women are earning 30% less than the male Mm. counterpart. So we are spending the same, but we're earning 30% less. That is ludicrous. Mm. That is absolutely crazy to think about it like that. And the other thing I actually was thinking when you were talking now about, you know, men being, and a lot of the time, the primary breadwinner, which we see a lot of, and women being homemakers, which brings me to something else. You know, often a woman in that situation, even maybe there's someone listening now and is thinking, well, that is my situation, but I do have this yearn inside myself to have a bit of financial freedom, even though, you know, I'm a homemaker and yes, I'm not getting paid for actually what I'm doing, but I have this yearn to also invest and save a bit for my future. That's on, on me, you know, something that I have. Is this something that you've encountered? You know, have you met women that have wanted to take that journey and is there a way to do that? Is it difficult? You know, some men get uncomfortable, you know, to, mm-hmm. to kind of see that happening because it maybe pushes on a little bit of insecurity or, you know, maybe something that's undealt with in, in their journey. Have you found that sometimes that women do want that and they're trying to figure out how do I get that even though maybe I'm not working outside the home? Mm-hmm. So so the former part of your, of your statement speaks of, the male breadwinner being the dominant role player financially. Mm. And there's, and, and perhaps it's seen that his income and his investments and his uh, um, uh, financial freedom is in a hierarchy more important because I am only looking after the household. Mm. So I've come across that scenario. I've also come across scenarios where um, the men ask the woman to leave the table when he discusses all his numbers, and um, and then she can return once um, once the numbers have been done discussed have been done um, discussing, and 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 then she's let in on the fact that um, he is implementing X, Y, and Z for himself. Hmm. So. The interesting part of those experiences is saying to the male in the relationship or the breadwinner or the dominant party, um, so how about we we look at a retirement plan for your partner? How about we give her an emergency saving vehicle? And how about we give her uh, a disability and a dread disease cover? Because that will happen. Yeah. But also, Mr. Client, you are married community so actually, I'd like her to know the numbers that you discussed with me about five minutes ago. And and that's the discomfort. That is the absolute discomfort. And there's a bit of a squirm that generally happens. And, and I explain why that is important. Because both of us will be seen as deceased estates when the first one dies. Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the marital act says certain things about marital regimes. So she is affected by the numbers that you mentioned behind closed doors, right? Yeah. Oftentimes, the spouse um, would leave the whole estate to the partner. And then we find when we wind up that estate that there's just no liquidity. There's just so much debt and a huge amount of taxes because, you know, it's been passed on to the spouse 
through what we call Section 14. And that's a technical term, but that means that certain things are then exempted in the beginning, but on the second death, it's not exempted. So you, you, you're creating a bigger by doing that. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation in that room simply it goes, goes along the following lines. Hmm. What is the marital regime? What is the expectation? And what is her goals as well as your goals? Hmm. Well, this is a very, very good thing. And, and I hope that, you know, there are listeners taking note of this because I myself, I mean, I'm still young, but I've met a lot of women who are young and who are getting married now who are not considering these things, not considering even, you know, marriage, how they're getting married, what they're doing, you know, finances, I also believe need to be spoken about before marriage and we need to be talking about this. But yet, like you keep on referring to, it is uncomfortable for so many people and we are also, I think, dealing with you know, that cultural lens of, well, man must be, you know, the breadwinner in a lot of instances. And that's a cultural thing that we're also trying to tap on and say, listen, you know, we need to uncover this. Why are you feeling this way? And so, Janine, I want to say thank you. I can't believe that our time went so quickly. And I think that this is a, a conversation that we can probably have for quite a long time still. So it's one to definitely visit again in the next couple of months. But I do want to say thank you for being with me today, because so much of what you have shared is pretty much coaching us a bit today on the show. So thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to welcoming you again sometime on the show because this is such an important conversation. Absolutely. And I really appreciate having the opportunity to start unbuttoning this big topic. Hmm. And I want to encourage the listeners out there, male or, fe- or female, is just understand your situation, know what's happening, deal with it in a healthy way, like you would when you're feeling a little bit sicky or like you would a sick child. You know, say my finances are in, are in, Ill, in Ill health, I need to attend to it. And then just try and declutter as well as talk about that's my my last one song oh that's awesome thank you so so much janine and take care thanks, of yourself love. thanks hey bye-bye and yourself bye listeners welcome back here to voice of change with myself lauren jacobs and i've loved the show i've loved reflecting on a lot of what janine shared and just hearing and i think that we have to have a great follow-up on this because there was so much information that we took in today and we just need to reflect and reflect on it and don't forget i'm going to be making this episode available on podcast on our website kpulpit.co.za and you will see the podcast tab and then click on that and then go over to where it says voice of change maybe on the third or fourth page and you will be able to come on over to this podcast and many of the other shows that have been played before like last week's powerful powerful show as well and you know what you'll be able to reflect again on this maybe make some notes share it with some friends because this information today has been so important and i want to i want to end off the show with giving you a little bit of this stat you know it says the boston consulting group which is in the united states is a global business strategy pioneer and they did a survey one year ago even during covid 2020 and they were you know looking at women's health and what was happening at that time women's wealth sorry not women's health but women's wealth and what was happening at that time you know my mind when it thinks of 2020 just thinks of health so women's wealth and you know what they found that women's wealth is increasing faster than ever ever before any generation before and that women are actually adding to the economies the global economy five trillion dollars dollars not even rand 
dollars every single year. And at the moment, we know that women are actually controlling 32% of the global wealth. We also know that, as they found in this survey, that women's wealth in the next seven years, which is not that long, will actually outpace the way that the global wealth growth is happening. So women obviously are growing their wealth incredibly and their access to finances is opening up. But still, this is only happening in certain countries. And they found as well that when they did the strategy group meeting and the survey, they found that women obviously in North America held actually the largest share of wealth in the whole world. But this was followed by Australia, New Zealand, Pacific Islands, Asia and Western Europe. And so we see in these areas, women are getting access to wealth and not only access to wealth, but they're working their wealth and they work in that business and they work in those finances and so we can and we will and we will be able to and so I want to encourage you today to consider you know what you're doing with your finances and and how you want to work with your finances and don't be afraid as a woman we have a lot of opportunities and a lot more realities open up to us and again I'm so grateful Janine was with us today because it was such an insightful conversation so until next week I hope that you've really really enjoyed this and I'll see you then this insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.